0: All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from YouTube, lots of gems, lots of using beauty on your seniors, and lots of, you know, being dope is a skill. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts.
1: Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? Seafool,
0: I'm great, Seafool, How are you?
1: You Good. just got back. I just got back from a cruise. Woo! It was nice. It was a Disney cruise. Nice. So, uh, you know, if you told me 10 years ago I would go on cruises mm-hmm. and like them, mm-hmm. I would be like, I've become a soulless geezer. But a cruise is pretty amazing. They take care of it. A, it's like you go on vacation. Mm-hmm. And you, a lot of times you think about going to the beach or you think about going yeah. somewhere nice on vacation. You just you just want to relax and not take care of anything. Is this your first cruise? No, it's my second one. Okay. And basically that's what a cruise is. You go there and you can do whatever you want. You mm-hmm. can go to the pool. The, the, the Disney one had like water slides, all sorts of crazy stuff. You don't have to worry about anything. The kids mm. have all their activities and stuff. Yeah. And you can eat all the food. That's the want. fireness. My of abs the definitely melted in that uh, week, but it's okay. I'm disintegrated. back. Yes, um, it was definitely worth it. How
0: was it for you with the motion sickness?
1: No, there's almost. Well, first of all, I don't have that problem because okay. my my parents have have a boat, and I basically grew up on boats, so that, that's never been a problem. Oh, but the ship me. the ship is so big. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it doesn't move. The, the ship like that doesn't really sway or move. All right, you're all like right. Really. Like bad waters, which is Mm. usually not the case, but um, yeah, where where was the cruise? It went Uh, to the Bahamas, and then it because it's Disney. Disney owns their Mm. own island in the Caribbean. It's called Castaway Cay. So they have their own island. You go there. You go to the beach. They even have a beach which is just for adults, and like you leave your kids over there. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. an like, adult beach? Like an adult beach. No, no, no. Like like a beach where the kids are not allowed, so the oh, adults okay. can just like because it's a Disney cruise, so okay, a lot of yeah, kids, yeah. Right? <laughs> there are a lot what of made kids. It so I, like, I huh? was
2: about to make a private island joke and then realized that was probably not a good thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Especially with that accent. uh uh-huh. <laughs> Most of your people were going over to that private island, all right? It's like A, a lot pirate. of people with your accent in high places were friends with the private island guy, all right? But we're not talking about that. I don't want to get demonetized. So anyway, this is the Kung Fu Genius <laughs> oh, Podcast. Yes. So uh, what you got for me, Dre? Uh, all right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry.
0: My voice was like,
1: nah. All right. So first off, we
0: got Andre Boley. All right. Okay. Here we go. What is your opinion on Hong Kong as a destination to visit as a white guy who trains in martial arts? Uh-huh. <laughs> what are you, you're a white guy, right?
1: <laughs> yes, I'm an, I'm an expert at this. <laughs> Being a white guy who's gone to Hong Kong. <laughs> and, and trains ex- in martial arts. And trains in martial yes.
0: arts. What are the best places to go and do in relation to the martial arts? Wing Chun and JKD. What's the inside places to train and people to train with? And oh, this is—he didn't say this was a two-parter, but now he says and two-parter. Any interesting stories you'd like to share of you in Hong Kong? You think the podcast would enjoy?
1: Ah, this is a very good question. This, this a very is Hong the, Kong-centric the question. question, which is interesting because right now we are at the. Four-year anniversary of the last, of when we it went on our Hong so Kong trip. Oh
0: so crazy. Yeah, and
1: I know this because my social media, yeah. even my iPhone keeps like yeah. posting memories. They don't let you forget. They don't <laughs> let you forget. And it's all these crazy photos of you dancing <laughs> in the MTR and all these Chinese people kind of looking at you like, and looking away, right? What's wrong with this guy? We had such a good time in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, and as I mentioned on the last couple episodes, uh, we are definitely thinking of organizing a trip for uh, Kung Fu Genius podcast listeners um, uh, 2023 2023 mm-hmm. um traditionally as i have mentioned multiple mm-hmm. times um I, I bring a bunch of my students to hong kong usually kind of late summer so yeah it is hot if you're not a fan of hot humid weather humid. um then you know go to cleveland ohio right <laughs> um but if oh, if you if, if you don't mind hot weather uh then come come with us to hong kong because we definitely go in the hottest time of the year so yes. you do have to be ready for that Um, But I I did every year. We usually brought like a handful of students with Mm us. And I basically do a tour of Hong Kong. So bring the students around to the different sites. Obviously, um, because I teach Wing Chun, bring the students to a lot of Wing Chun related places. Grandmaster Yip Man's Grave, the Wing Chun Athletic Association, have them meet. You know, whether it's students of Grandmaster Yip Man or go to, like, you know, places that are relevant to Wing Chun people. The place um, where Yip Man used to live. That's right. Uh, 149 <laughs> Tong Street, right? Tong Street. And, uh, AKA Lu Yang Gai. Yan Gai. Shout out to Lady Street. It's also called Lady Street because there's a flea market on there. So it was, oh. it was called oh. Lady, Lady okay. Street. Okay. That that's, wasn't called Lady that's Street that's for any other reason, right? <laughs> uh, okay. So, um... Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll do that stuff and, and obviously because the, the students who came with me traditionally, obviously there are students from City Wing Chun, so every mm-hmm. morning we'll usually have some kind of training session. We go to Kowloon Park, do some physical fitness, Which do some Wing AKA Chun training.
0: Hong Kong, uh, no, no, Kung Fu Park.
1: Uh, well, in Kowloon Park, they yeah. have Kung Fu Corner. Kung Fu Corner. Yes. Uh. So then we'll go there, we'll train, we'll do some physical exercise, then we'll earn our breakfast. And then we go out and we do Kung Fu stuff every day. So it's, it's really like something that I had been doing for a few years. And every year it, it formalized, not in terms of being super regimented, but just like mm-hmm. I started to kind of have my regular spots where I brought the students to. And, you know, it would be like we'd get up in the morning, do our training and then go have breakfast. And then we would go and do some kind of kung fu activity, whether it was meeting a a sifu of a certain style or going to see movie stuff or Bruce Lee stuff or Yip Man stuff Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then, you know, at, at nighttime, we can enjoy the city, go get some food, that kind of stuff. Right. Right. But in recent years, obviously, with the pandemic, we weren't able to go. The last time I went to Hong Kong was 2019, yeah. uh, which was exactly around this time of year in 2019. So the late summer. And that was my last time going to Hong Kong. So it's been a number of years since I've been there. I'm used to going once a year. And now that things seem to be normalizing a little bit in terms of like, you know what's going on in the world. Um, I think that it's possible to start planning for a big Hong Kong trip. In um, 2023. Yeah. So, uh, but now instead of just opening it up for students at City Wing Chun, obviously now I have this. I've created this podcast. In the meantime, if our podcast listeners are interested in going, then I can create like a like a tour and kind of a package for people to kind of hop along and come with us, wow, and then we can do this tour and training and all these kind of things. Right. So I'm estimating
0: um, about 40 40 people coming. No,
1: I I um no, I'm gonna <laughs> cap it way 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 it. lower than that. Yeah, because I mean, it's not. Um, it's not, it's actually not fun when you, so I'm, I am not a, like, um, I'm the best tour guide of mm-hmm. Hong Kong, but I'm not a professional tour, like, organizing yeah. person, right? So like I don't want, like, I don't want to be walking around with a goofy yellow hat and a little flag <laughs> walking around, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> trying to corral a bunch of, like, right. 40 adults <laughs> through the streets of Kowloon, right? Okay. So I will probably a cap on it. Oh, right. Cap at what? And uh, I don't know, but it'll be maybe twelve people tops. Ooh. I don't want more than that. And that's oh, too much. Man. All right, that's too so. much. And only and only adults, no kids. I don't want to have to like deal with that nonsense. Well, so, I mean, adults, kids. You know, it depends which adults are coming, really, doesn't well, it? Well, many adults, once they're in Hong Kong, start acting like kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, that's something. And, and I know we keep getting comments about people want more information about it. But the problem is I can talk about it. It's something that I want to do. But I need to wait a little bit because we have to find out what... The, the the regulations are for traveling to hong kong people always go where do i get information i go at this time mm-hmm. we could not ma- we cannot do this trip because they still have kind of a long quarantine time when you get into hong kong yeah. And so I can't tell Was people it like now. like five days, seven days? Yeah, I don't Well, the problem is it's changing every few weeks. Mm-hmm. Whatever we say by the time this episode comes out, it's going to be old info anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, the problem is like people keep asking. So I'm super excited because we obviously have a lot of people who are interested in coming to Hong Kong and doing the Kung Fu Genies Hong Kong tour. But I, I can't tell anybody right now. This is a year out. Mm. And the, given the current policies of traveling to Hong Kong, we could not do it right now. And until those policies change, I can't plan it. I can't in good faith assume that one year from now we'll just gotcha. be able to travel to Hong Kong the way we used to be able to. So I have to wait a little bit. But uh, I, I promise the KFG podcast listeners, because I keep getting messages about it, which is great. Because obviously no. that means people want to go. But I have to tell everyone, I don't have any information because I literally cannot plan it right now until they change something. What's crazy I can't is
0: what, what I'm foreseeing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm foreseeing so many people want to go to Hong Kong with you. Right. That you have to split it up into like four different vacations per year, or maybe five <laughs> seasonals. Uh,
1: I don't want to go to Hong Kong five times a year. Um, <laughs> I actually, in one year, yeah. uh, I think it was back in 2011, mm-hmm. I traveled to Hong Kong four times in one year. Yeah. And uh, what year was, was this? That was 2011. All right. <laughs> oh, he just said this is, that. Literally, this is, he just this said. He just, ladies rated. and gentlemen, you just witnessed Dre in real time. All right, okay. All right, this is, this unedited, is unedited. All right. Yeah. In 2011, I went there four times. Th- Whoa, what year was what, that? What year was that? All right. How many yeah. times did you go? Yeah, four. <laughs> so uh, and. And I love traveling to Hong Kong. I don't mind that trip at all. But four was definitely my limit. And I'm thinking about it now. That was also 11 years ago. I'm 11 years older right now. So I...
0: um, I know why. Because of the flight. The flight is brutal
1: in the sense. Actually, the flight doesn't... Oh, no. Getting back. Oh, you mean the jet lag? The jet lag. Yeah, the jet back, lag. Getting is, back is a little harder. Well, you are a lot less motivated when you come home than when you go yeah, there. Yeah. You're a lot more motivated to get on the new, you know, time schedule yeah. when you're over there. So anyway, um, you know, and I say this, you know, people are always like, yo, tons of people are texting me about this thing, right? People say that because they're they're bullshit. I'm literally not bullshitting. <laughs> I get messages <laughs> and comments about because we mentioned it yeah, a yeah. few times about going to Hong Kong, and I really get a lot of comments yo, about, down, yeah. So And people keep asking me, like, I need information. It's like, yo, we don't don't have it yet. All right. I cannot say right now Mm. what the dates are. Slow down, Tito. Slow down, Tito. All right. (laughs) Um, But also people somehow think that if I do plan a Hong Kong trip, I'm going to make it a secret. No. The moment we have all the deets to go to Hong Kong... I'm gonna be talking about it on this episode. I'm yeah. sorry, on this podcast, literally every episode. <laughs> gotcha. And we'll put, I'll put it on my socials and everything like that. So we are not gonna keep it a secret Damn. from anyone that we're gonna do this Hong but Kong the thing. But until, is rough, I don't want more than twelve people on a trip like that. I don't. Want, I'm not. A, I don't want to corral twenty five. And, and the problem is when you have that many adults. Uh-huh. Well, this adult doesn't want to do this. This adult cannot eat this food. This. Adult, I'm gonna have it, maybe no vegetarians on this trip. Well. <laughs> Hey! <laughs> I tell you, hey. because every time we go to Hong Kong, there's one freaking yeah. vegetarian, and uh-huh. it's like, and it, it's like, we're gonna go to this famous place for beef noodles. Uh, we got one. You know, i graduated to this. carnivore. Good carnivore.
0: Reserve. Congrats!
1: Yeah, right.
2: that's not a graduation. That's a demotion. No, no
0: that's a total. Graduation. No, that is a total promotion. Like I'm right eating there. motherfucking burgers, cheese. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eating. The- Burgers, yeah, make Burgers. sure you
2: uh do the old uh chicken. The, the, you watch his f bombs there, Andrew. Oh, but seriously, sorry. right? Really, like, I'm gonna suddenly see a Dre I've never seen before. Like, <laughs> you're gonna yeah. start looking like me, yeah. You know what I mean, I shave my head, we'll be interchangeable. Oh, that's no. right, oh, no. but, you know. yeah. So,
1: so anyway, maybe there'll be one rule no vegetarians because it just makes it so damn difficult to, to like you have 25 adults, and then it's like you go to a place that's famous for. Um, like ho- like hoi lam chicken, and it's like oh we have one well you can't eat here because this is all they serve right oh. so I don't know maybe uh-huh. I'll just say no vegetarian hoi,
0: hoi lam
2: fine chicken. I'm gonna come anyway and I'll come on my own trip that's, that's right bring like your that. own
1: food yeah that yes. no.
2: that'll teach potato you potato chips Mio or whatever prepping. you
1: need right yeah <laughs> so um, anyway I'm I'm half joking about the vegetarian but but I'm, I'm, I'm but I like to emphasize I'm half joking all right. Um, so we'll probably cap it at about twelve. Just because after that, it's just it's just not tenable. All right. Now what if what if you, you, I would okay. prefer even smaller than that, like eight. But what if you got like a like a. But you I got can the, do it more than one time. A you
0: year. got the VIP group that's with you, and then you got the subgroup that.
1: Well, it's also possible... That for are with, example, a,
0: with maybe Mikey Dean.
1: No, no, no. Because that, that would be the worst thing in the world to travel to Hong Kong have to be with Mikey Dean. All right? <laughs> Here you are with the colonizer of Hong Kong. Oh, no. All right? Who doesn't know shit about Hong Kong, right? Like most of the colonizers who live there. <laughs> yeah, but so, I can take you to the best
2: clubs. I will find them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah they'll let him in them. just with his accent, right? So, um, Wan Chai. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so here's what I'm thinking. Like, it's possible if people really want to do this. That I can do it more than once a year mm. because I really don't want to do that big of a group. I don't want to be there with a hat and a flag waving around 30 adults. Like, mm. Come over here, take a look at this building over here. Like, I don't I don't want to do that, right? And that's why we'll have to have someone
0: well, on the, that. To- well, the
1: other thing, too, is I would imagine that um, many of our podcast fans don't actually practice Wing Chun. They're just into martial arts or they're into mm-hmm. Bruce Lee. So it's possible for me to have, like, a few different tiers Ooh, for the you tours. you know
0: would be lit? What? Going to... Shaw Brothers Studios. there's nothing to Harvest see studio. Well, there. Well, the there's locations. no Golden Harvest Studios
1: anymore. The location. The Golden Harvest Studios is now a bunch of apartments. <laughs> <laughs> the parking lot. No, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Shaw Brothers is a. Oh. Just, you can go there, but there's nothing to see, and they're not going to let oh. you in. Um, so, but there are other. But I, I could potentially bring you to see Shaw Brothers movie stars as opposed to like just true, the old true. thing Ooh, whatever, right? Ah. So that's what I'm thinking is that maybe, like. maybe for the tour, we can have some people, some people might want to do like the martial arts training and the tour. Some people might just come for the tour, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I can have like a couple different options for people if this is because some people might not be interested in the martial arts part, or maybe they gotcha. don't train Wing Chun or they, they don't want to train Wing Chun with me or whatever. That's fine. Um, who? So who? who, who would? No, no, you don't get upset about that. People are very really like, right. I got my waiting channel. It's like, okay, <laughs> All right, that's, okay. that's fine. All right, I'm sure you have your truth. Everyone yeah. has their truth. Everyone right? That's the truth. All right. So uh, that's okay. Uh, so, so maybe I'll do something like that. But anyway, let's actually get to the question. Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. If you're looking for an easy way to support this podcast, please consider joining the Kung Fu Genius Patreon. You can support for as little as $5 a month and get access to episodes a few days early. Higher levels of support get additional goodies, exclusive content, and even your name in the description. The baller level of support will give you the opportunity to be a Dre for a day and give me a rest from this guy over here. A link for the Kung Fu Genius Patreon page is in the description below. You can also support us by subscribing to the Kung Fu Genius on YouTube, liking this video, and sharing it on your social media platforms. When you subscribe on YouTube, don't forget to hit that bell for notifications so you will know as soon as a new episode or premiere is available for you to watch. For those of us who listen to us on audio, it's a huge help if you don't just rate the podcast, but also write a review wherever you listen to the Kung Fu Genius, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. I really appreciate it. And now back to... Me, oh, the question, yeah. So, the question, what was the first part of the question again? The first part (laughs) of the question,
0: what is your opinion on Hong Kong as a destination to visit as a white
1: guy? Okay, because I have experience, not a Cuban guy, yeah, not a Cuban guy, a white guy. So, I will, I will. Take away my Cuban half, yes. all right? Yeah. And just Throw go on, the, just to go the, on the German side. Yeah. All right? All right. What does my German side <laughs> think of Hong Kong?
0: <laughs> okay. And are the best places to go in relation to martial arts, mm-hmm. Wing Chun and JK.
1: Got it. Okay. So uh, uh, just a couple things. Oh, in- and-
0: inside places to train. Yeah. And who to train with.
1: Okay. So, uh, a couple a couple things I have to note here is always your mileage may vary because, of course, when we're talking about the varied world of Wing Chun, well, it also depends on your lineage, right? So, I mean, if you come from a particular lineage and you like the way that lineage does stuff, then you might not necessarily want to just go and train in another lineage. Now, some people are... See, it's weird. I can't give advice about something like this because for some people they learn a certain lineage of Wing Chun or they learn their style of Wing Chun or whatever and they're very particular to it and they want to just continue learning that or they want to learn that more in depth. So if someone comes from the Lung Song system okay. and they go to Hong Kong, they're more than likely going to want to train in someone if from the Long Song system, which makes sense because they want to go to the source or the root of their lineage, their style and go a little bit deeper, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone is not from, let's say the learning lineage like I am, then my recommendation, most of my insider recommendations would be within my own lineage, right? Uh, so, So one, that's an issue. But then there are other people who don't give a crap at all maybe because they they are really open minded or they just have no idea that there are major differences between the wing chun styles they just think it's all kumbaya and hand holding ah. right so then for them they don't really care because anything if they're doing wing chun in Sticky hong kong hand holding yeah they they they, they don't they not really that they don't discern between this guy and that guy it's just it's wing chun in hong kong right okay. so um, it's very difficult to give that advice right because uh, if if someone comes from the leng ting lineage i would give very specific pieces of advice of who to go mm-hmm. to and that list is very very small um and doesn't include leng teng uh really i wouldn't if someone was in the leng teng lineage and wanted to go to hong kong to train leng teng wing chun i uh, i would actually not suggest they go to leng teng school mm-hmm. uh, unless they want to be treated kind of poorly from their own family um there are other their other leng teng lineage members in Hong Kong who would much more happily greet them and teach them more. Mm, um, so, um, but then if someone, I don't know, I almost feel like if someone was from the Wong Zoleng lineage, I probably could give them way more recommendations in Hong Kong than I could from my own lineage, unfortunately. Ah. Um, and, and so as far as JKD goes, I would not go to Hong Kong to learn JKD. All right. Because, okay. First of all, where were all of Bruce's real JKD students? They were here in the States. In the States. Okay. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of like people who go to Brazil to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, or people who go to Japan to learn like Aikido. It's like you got to go to the, the source of where the style is if you really want to, you know, find the best. And I, I Jeet Kune Do is not something that was broadly taught in Hong Kong. I know that uh, Burton Richardson has some guys over there and I know there are some JKD groups and so on. Um, but I wouldn't say that Hong Kong, just because Bruce Lee is from there, is the mecca of JKD. Mm. Um, Asia in general and China in particular, not Hong Kong, China in particular, you can f- forget anything learning Bruce You don't want to learn anything Bruce Lee related in China because they, <laughs> they don't know anything about what Bruce Lee actually did. They just think, you know, if you pick up a Jeet Kune Do book in mainland China, mm. it's sketches of moves out of Bruce Lee's movies. It's not his actual Jeet Kune Do. Amazing. Right. So they're, they're, so I, I wouldn't necessarily go all the way to Hong Kong to learn JKD. All right. Uh, you go to Hong Kong to learn um, Wing Chun, for example, uh, if that's your style. Or there Roots. are obviously okay. other styles of Chinese martial arts that are very prominent in Hong Kong. Hong Kun, you have the whole Lam Zhou family um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, other uh, branches of Hong Kun, which kind of escaped me at the moment. So I apologize to my Hong Kun friends who are from branches outside of Lam Zhou. I'm not <laughs> trying to leave you out. I just... It's early in the morning. I yeah. can't think of any other ones right now uh, off the top of my head. Obviously, Choi Le Fat. I have some good, um, good friends in Hong Kong who are really high level in Choi Le Fat, like Zhou Guang, Sifu Joe Guang yeah. is like amazing. Um, and then, obviously, our good friend, Maxifu, who's Maxi like Fu. a yes. master extraordinaire of the Southern martial arts. Um, but another martial art that is um, really uh, very well, or I should say widespread in Hong Kong, and they teach it with a really high level of quality, is Thai boxing. Um, thai boxing has been big wow. in Hong Kong for, for a while. And you have a lot of Thai boxing gyms in Hong Kong, right? I was just watching Ong Bak last night. Yeah. That's um, a sick movie. It, is Whoa, a, it is. Ong Bak
0: 2. Yes. Yeah, I, I I was watching clips of it, but mm-hmm. man, I got to see the this ending, ending and all that. You can't actually
1: sit through a whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> ending with the ninjas and all yeah, that. Right. Anyway, I saw pictures. <laughs> anyway, I saw a picture. I saw a, com- I saw a trailer. <laughs> yeah. Um, coming soon. All right. Uh, yeah, so actually Thai boxing is... is um, I would say it's probably the most professionally taught art in Hong Kong. Like where you could find it. I mean that most of the Hong Kong Thai boxing gyms teach it in a professional way. Mm -hmm. Much more so than Chinese martial arts. Chinese martial arts uh, schools are kind of very rinky-dink in Hong Kong. And they're not very professional. But uh, Thai boxing schools are usually pretty good. And because of Hong Kong's proximity to Thailand, a lot of um, Hong Kong Thai boxing gyms will actually hire trainers from Thailand to come to Hong Kong, let's say, for like three months at a time. Wow. So you'll go to a Thai boxing gym in Hong Kong. And oftentimes, there will be a Thai boxing trainer from Thailand there at the gym. So you can get really authentic quality instruction in That's Thai boxing. Insane. So if people I want to that. do Thai boxing. Yeah, I mean, most of my Thai boxing training over the years has been in Hong Kong. So when I would go to Hong Kong... At the time that I was learning from Sifu Leng Tang, there was a one Thai boxing gym I would go to regularly, mm-hmm. and I would just I would train there. A couple you earned times your a week. shorts too. Earned my shorts? <laughs> yeah. No, we got shorts on the first day. <laughs> oh no, we didn't have to earn our shorts. No. Uh, so um, yeah, because you train with no shorts until you earn them. Uh, no, so it was uh, pretty uh, uh, pretty good. His name was uh, Pak Wing Hung. Ooh, uh, it was very famous Thai boxing. Pak Wing Hung. Yeah, famous, very famous Thai boxing fighter in Hong Kong, and uh, I go to his gym. Right. I didn't train with him. He was there sometimes, but uh, I, I would train at his gym. It was not too far from Sibol. Wasn't, ja. wasn't Tony Jaa? Wasn't well, well. Tony Jaa? Tony Jaa is actually, from what I understood, a gymnast who then adapted Thai martial arts oh. to gymnastics, which is why he, he's so remarkable. Yeah, he, he, he's amazing. Tony Jaa is amazing. Um, so anyway, um, so so the first part of the question is difficult for me to give recommendations on where to train, mm-hmm. um, and this is all also why when we do our tour. Um, I usually train my students when we're over there. So I'll go and I'll give them lessons and then we'll go and we'll visit some Sifus or whatever. Um, I think it's a little bit of a culture shock sometimes when Westerners see how they train in Hong Kong. um, Because uh, there's this assumption, obviously, it's the source and and this is like the right way to do things and everything. And the Hong Kong teaching system has its merits. The traditional Chinese teaching system has its merits. For um, if you look at a Venn diagram of all the overlapping factors you need to have of mm-hmm. like self-motivated, self-starting and visual learners usually are the ones that can pick up training or pick up information easiest in Hong Kong because most of what we would call a class in Hong Kong is just kind of like semi-guided training. Mm-hmm. All right? You kind of show up and maybe a sea hang might show you a form. Or then you, you you're paired off with someone and you practice, but there's no like there's no real lesson structure. Um, there's no real step by step progression in terms of like okay you learn these things, then you learn these things. Now mind you, of course there are exceptions. Of course there are schools that have that, but not in a not at the le- when people when I say there's really no teaching structure in Hong Kong, people say no that's not true. You got to learn this Sunum Tao first, and then you learn these steps, and then you do Chi, and then you do this. Mm-hmm. I mean outside of the most basic framework. There's no lesson plan. There's no real bit-by-bit progression unless you're maybe if you're learning privately, but not in a group class. So you kind of show up and you're kind of like expected to practice on your own. And hopefully there's a senior there um, who can correct you and give you some guidance. Wow. So so usually my recommendation for Westerners, uh, regardless of whether they are white or not, I don't know how, how relevant that is if you're just a foreigner to Hong Kong, regardless of your ethnicity, um, my recommendation is to take private lessons instead of going to group lessons. Unless you're going to do something like Thai boxing, which they have their their shit together in terms of group lessons in Hong Kong. If you're going to go to a Wing Chun school, I would suggest doing private lessons with the instructor because then you force that instructor to be there for you for that time and teach you. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you show up to a group class, you might just show up to a room of a bunch of people Who, uh, obviously, if you're a foreigner, are most likely speaking Chinese, so you don't understand. And who are kind of training more or less on their own with some light guidance from an instructor. Mm. And so you're going to, for the most part, you'd be kind of lost and you'd you'd be craving some kind of structure. So don't frustrate yourself by going to group classes in Hong Kong. Just take private lessons from the instructor. I'm like,
0: You have a grand student, Martin who has lived in Hong Kong for yes. some time I'm I'm curious of his training no, regimen out there
1: he couldn't he couldn't do it yeah. there was nowhere for him to train out there because of the cuz he's used to showing up like this class as a structure yeah. all right you have, for example, at City Wing Chun, we, have, we, we start off with some kind of self-defense, basic stuff to get it out of the way. It's like, you know, eating your vegetables at first, right? <laughs> Let's review some bear hug defense or some rear choke defense or something you do. Eat right, your vegetables, right. for, get it out of the way so all the fun oh, stuff comes in class. Man. So that's why we start with like a little self-defense. Mm-hmm. Then we have our warm-up. Then we do our form. And then, you know, for the more advanced students, we'll start with some cheese as a warm-up, some basic, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'll have the lesson for the, for the day, depending on what level they are at, what they're learning, and then we usually intensify it. So we'll have some kind of either guo sao, qi sao sparring or regular sparring, wing chun versus non-wing chun. And then usually some workout at the end and then some kind of cool down and stretching, right? So you have, you have a class that follows an intensity arc, right? You start with like the self-defense, and then you have your warm-up and your form and then, you know, your basics and your partner training. And it's very technical. And then you you start to peek into sparring, mm-hmm. um, whether it's cheese or regular it. sparring. And then you have this kind of intensity there, like three quarters into the class. And then before you let them go, you don't want to leave them up here where they're like, ah, then you got to pare it down a little bit. So you wear them out at the end with a workout and then you kind of cool off at the end, relax, and you recap the class. So everyone leaves the class calm and they had their technical training, their <laughs> so, sparring, all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs>
0: they're not going out there and beating people's Exactly. But, okay. but
1: you see, like but that we do that every class at City Wing Chun. We've, the instructors here follow kind of a class syllabus so that everyone learns what they're supposed to learn. The class itself has a structure. And, and then you go to Hong Kong as one of my students. And you're in a room of people who are just kind of training. Tees out. Some guys are just trying to hit each other. Some guys are just trying to do a drill. Some guys are just Mm. trying to. Or you go and you hit the wall bag without any supervision, and it's like, um, or I shouldn't say not supervision without any instruction, because at some point you have to train on your own. So don't get me wrong. Like the, uh, the 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 merit to the Hong Kong training system is that you take personal ownership of your skills. You have to go and train it and you have to own it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the problem is the onus on the instructor to give quality instruction is not there. The onus in the traditional Chinese teaching system is always on the student Mm. to produce and perform, to earn the right to learn the next thing. And I find that that's a bit of a dichotomy because you can also teach the students as the instructor really thoroughly and really well. And they still can own it and train it and earn the next thing. Mm. So you don't, So my issue with the, the, the Hong Kong teaching system is that it's not a dichotomy. Like Westerners like to kind of spoon feed and teach details. And in Asia, they just train really hard and figure it out on their own and work and you know develop their kung fu. I don't see that there has to be a dichotomy between those two things. Ooh, you, okay. can, you can give the students quality instruction, step-by-step instruction, a thought-out lesson plan and progression with a plan to bring them somewhere. And they can also train really hard and earn the right to learn the next thing and work really hard at the material and take personal ownership of it. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Right? So, um, okay. you know, I remember in Germany, there were some instructors, they would spend their whole time, t- like a, w- a one hour class would be like a TED talk. <laughs> oh. They would just talk the whole time on the virtues of Bong Sao and this and that. And the other thing, and at the end of the class, we weren't even sweating, right? Wow. Some instructors, all right? Not, not most of them, but there were some like that. They're very heady, all right? And then you had um, other instructors or you just you're practicing and they're not really telling you what to do. And then maybe they come by and they, they kick your stance or they fix your bongs out or something like that. And they walk away. And that was your instruction for the day. So mm. why are these the only two options we have? They're not. All right. It's just that for some reason, people always have dichotomous thinking when it comes, comes to teaching styles. You either let the students figure it out on their own. Or you baby them and spoon feed them, but you can't do something in between or you can't have a little bit of both, right? And so I, I feel that all practitioners of martial arts need to take what they're learning from their instructor and digest the material on their own, practice it, think about it, think how it relates to other things they learn. There's The student is the one that has all their work cut out for them, okay. right? but that doesn't mean that the instructor cannot serve it up in bite-sized pieces, in an intelligent way, structured in a way that they're going to be able to digest the material, right? So this idea that there has to be one or the other. So my suggestion is you should find someone potentially in your lineage and do private training with them. Yeah. And also you have to, my, my advice is, you even have to curb your expectations of what private training is. So... Um, Interesting. Uh, the question also had, uh, like, whether I had some interesting stories. I have a lot of stories of my time in Hong Kong. <laughs> and I would love to talk about... And I have talked about, like, you know, we did have the Fight Quest episode. And, you know, we brought up, like, our Van Damme story and some funny... We, we have had a lot of funny stories in Hong Kong. But I want to actually talk about something that pissed me off. Oh. Okay? And uh, so, so a, a let's just say a... Um, a less than positive experience I had at Hong Kong. What? All right. And, um, and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, like like I, like I got another Bill Nye on my uh. site, right? Okay. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a. Do I'm a, I know this story? Uh, Have you, I heard you, this story? You, you, you may know the story. So um, uh, around 2011, I quit Sifu Lang Tang's organization, okay. right? So I, I used to be Sifu Lang Tang's New York representative, You're yada, a rebel. yada, 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 right? I'm a rebel. I became a <laughs> rebel, right? And then I went on my own and then I was essentially independent and there were a couple WT instructors that I had not learned from or had not uh, met in my family because they had already left the association. So while I was still part of Larrington's association, obviously there's certain... Sifus I cannot meet with because they're rebels. They left Lering Ting. So, you know, I'm part of the Lering organization. I cannot meet them really. They have all these like, weird culty rules. Oh. And so once I, once I quit, then I'm like, oh, well, I can go visit certain Sibaks in Hong Kong. The other rebels. Yeah, to, to see if, you know, because they also, we come from the same lineage. So maybe they have a, a, an, another way of looking at things, right? So I, um, I met a few of my Sibak that I had not previously trained with. And so I trained with one in particular for a while and he gave me um, a, a lot of really good looks because it's almost like going, getting an outside eye. All right. Sometimes, you know, the best thing for no students... No Sometimes, well, even within City Wing Chun we have a number of instructors and let's say a student learns from a certain instructor for a while and then within our school they go uh, to another Sifu's class. That Sifu can usually point out things that their own Sifu can't just because you get used to seeing your students after a while and you get used to kind of their tempo and maybe what their common mistakes are. And you see how they're getting better over time. So you don't harp on certain things because okay. you know that they're making progress. Whereas an outside instructor will just be like, yo, you need to fix this because they don't know that this is something you're struggling with or this is something you got better at. so So sometimes an outside eye might point out things that your regular instructor doesn't just by virtue of, you have a fresh set of eyes looking at you, right? Right. So, for me, I always felt that even within my own lineage, it should be good to get a couple of fresh eyes. Like, hey, look at my wooden dummy. I, even if I learned it from Sifu Tang, someone else can give me some, some advice or some pointers or whatever, right? So, I trained with one of my box for a while. And my CBOC had a senior student or has a senior student <laughs> who's just kind of a prick, all right? <laughs> and you have to imagine, and this is, this is always my issue with... Um, the kind of very patriarchal uh, Chinese Kung Fu family terms that we use in martial arts so because it comes from a point of respect. Your Sifu is your teacher, the one who's adopted you as a disciple. You respect your Sifu, but you also inherit a family structure from that, right? Yeah. If your Sifu is like your Kung Fu father, then all the students who started before you who are male students are your Si Heng, elder Kung Fu brother, uh, you know, o- older younger brothers of your Sifu or your Si Bak, your Si Zook, so on and so forth, right? So y- you have this like family structure and you know, you have to greet your seniors by, you know, how, Si Heng, Si Bak, all those kind of things, which hmm. I'm all for. Like I like I, I, I like that Chinese culture aspect to what we do. It, it, it makes it a little bit... Deeper than just learning punching and kicking, in my opinion, right? Okay. But the problem is that this, like everything, there's always two sides to everything. There's also a massive potential for abuse within that kind of system, and uh, what I mean is this: if someone started before you, so like in, in the Ch- in Chinese kung fu family terms, like your Heng, your elder kung fu brother, doesn't have to actually be biologically older than you in age. They just needed to have started before you under the same Sifu, right? That means that someone who started one day before you is your Siheng, okay? And that's all well and good and that's fine, right? And Mm -hmm. in theory, if someone started before you, then they should be better than you because they have more time and more experience. And of course, you respect them because they started before you, right? The problem is that there's how these things work in theory and how these things work in practice, all right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, someone starts one week before you. You call them si heng, all right? After three months, they quit. You keep training, mm. okay? Ten years later, you're an instructor at that school, all right? That person who started a week before you comes back, they're still your si heng, Yeah. okay? Even though they haven't trained in those ten years, okay? Now, that's fine because it's about your relationship to your sifu or whatever, But when the rubber hits the road, Mm -hmm. you put in 10 years of training, and they did not. And you call them Hing out of respect, all right? But in terms of the skill, you're the one with the skill. Now, Grandmaster Yip Man supposedly said the one with the skill is the senior. But that actually flies in the face of the traditional Confucius patriarchal setup with Sifu, Hing, and all that kind of stuff, right? So the problem is, within Chinese martial arts, you have... A lot of lazy seeings. Because the fact that someone started before you doesn't guarantee an equivalent outcome after the same amount of time. And the fact that someone started in the 70s. Well, someone could have started in the 70s, trained for six months, and, and has not trained since then. And now they are not just your senior. They've been training since the 70s. But in reality... They did Wing Chun for a short time in the 70s. In the 70s. That's how it should be phrased. Mm. Not, oh, this is your Sibak who's been training since the 70s. No, no, no. no. Yeah. This is your... And I'm not talking about the Sibak I learned from. I'm talking okay. about the Sibak within that school, right? Uh, he, this is your Sibak who's been training since... No, this is my who did Wing Chun for three years in the 1970s. Okay. Okay? So, in theory, he's, he's been doing it for a long time. You should respect him, so on and so forth. So, anyway, my Seebak in Hong Kong... Had a student who is not his Todai, but the guy also happens to be a Seabach of mine. Mm-hmm. So, like two seabaks One I'm learning from, and the other one is learning from my other Seabach, right? Because the story was he learned Wing Chun in the 70s, and then he moved to, of all places, Long Island. Wow. Okay. And he's so old school, he's actually in the Wing Chun Kun book, Grandma Wing Ting's old book right he's in there like that's how old school because that book came out in 1976 right but so he, he, he was like some <laughs> kind of technician in Hong Kong and then he yeah. moved to Long Island where he's lived for the most part but then in 2011 when I started going to Hong Kong to learn from the Seabuck that other Seabuck from Long Island I guess he retired and he moved to Hong Kong alright okay. to, to be retired in Hong he moved back to Hong Kong basically right and started picking up Wing Chun again after all that time but he's severely out of practice because while he was living in long island he was not pra- for the from the 70s until 2011 yeah. he didn't really do any wing chun all oh, right man. uh which is fine i mean like th- th- that's not a uh, that's not a uh, there's no judgment on that right i mean no judgment like, he came here to work i mean he, he has to raise a family whatever i'm not going like oh he let his wing chun skills slip i don't know uh. any, it's not my problem all right but he went back to hong kong And then he started picking up Wing Chun again with my CBAC, but very casually, Mm -hmm. but mostly just him talking about the old days and how things used to be, not actually like really training, right? So anyway, um, I did a private lesson with my CBAC, and this guy was there during my private lesson. Now, the thing with my CBAC in Hong Kong is he doesn't speak any English, all right? But the one who lived in Long Long Island Island does speaks some English, right? So, first of all, I paid for a private lesson. So, from a Western perspective, the assumption is I paid you for a lesson. You're going to teach me uh-huh. there's privately. No, there's no audience yeah. that gets to learn what I paid for. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Yeah. I paid for the lesson. Why does that guy I get to sit see where there? He's and, going. Then, and then yeah. well, I'm the one who's paying so, 150, 200 bucks for the lesson, right? Yeah. US and that guy's sitting there and getting benefiting. the lesson yeah, yeah. this is guy benefiting yeah. oh because he's the senior uh. that dude is so out of pre- no he's watching the lesson for free all right whatever but i'm but i'm personally like for me i'm uh, i'm not like oh god he needs to give me some money or whatever like that uh-huh. it's just something that i notice but if he's a real senior i'm totally fine with him sitting i have no problem with that mm-hmm. the problem began is while i'm training with my c i understand cantonese okay um and so <laughs> while he's teaching me, oh, no. you know, my, I mean, my spoken Cantonese is, is very simple, especially at that time. But it's enough for me to say, you know, to tell him, yes, no. OK, left side, right side, forward, back. OK, mm-hmm. like this, like that. Do it that way. You know, so I can communicate. My Siba can speak Cantonese to me and I understand. And then I, I, I do what he wants me to do. And I answer him back in simple Chinese. Right. And then this guy. All right. Let's just call him Norm. All right? Okay? All right? Uh, He he sits there and he he starts giving commentary on my lesson. All right? Like, oh, uh, do do you know what is Fuxel or something like that? Right? It's like, first of all, I'm a Wing Chun instructor. You ask me, do I know what Fuxel is? Right? And then I just looked at him. I'm like, it was before my lesson even started. I'm like, yes, I've been teaching in New York. For at that time, ten years or something like that, right? I I, I have heard of folks out, Yes, thank you. Uh, and and then like and and then I'm training, and then he would say some stuff, right? And and like he would try to give me corrections
0: from his seat.
1: Yes, and then I just turned to him and I said like uh, I'm sorry. I t- turned to him said in English, I'm sorry, but I'm here learning with my Seebach. I will let him correct me. Uh huh. All right. And so um, he kept like saying all these things, right? And then I was just. After that lesson, I told my sibat. I said, um, I don't mind taking more private lessons with you, but he, he cannot be here. Yeah. Because I just can't deal with him, right? Because, like, he, he's giving me, he's saying all sorts of weird things, right? And then, I remember I told you I went to Hong Kong four times in 2011? That was the year. That was the year, right? I remember now. So then, so then, apparently, this guy Norm, all right, <laughs> was still going back and forth to New York, right? Oh. And then, so anyway, I go back to Hong Kong and norm is there again and norm comes to me and i just see him and i'm like oh man he's like that guy when you see me like uh mm-hmm. and he goes uh oh i went back to new york in the uh you know since i saw you last time and he goes oh and i was in manhattan and i walked by your school and i was like oh great you know well, why didn't you why didn't you come by and say hi mm-hmm. and then he said something really odd he's like oh well i didn't ask My seabak's permission to go to my school, right? Which is funny because one, he's supposedly very senior. Why he needs to ask for permission to just stop by and say hi is Mm -hmm. a little bit beyond me because my seabak is not his sifu, right? So I don't understand like why he has to ask my seabak. it's not even my seabak. No, 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 no. No, This was already when I'm learning from my seabak, right? But but it's it's just weird, like. Hmm. Why, why does he have to ask my seabach who's not even my seabach or my seagull okay. to come to my seagull it was very strange right and then he goes and then he said this shit to me while, while my seabach was sitting there who doesn't understand any English so he doesn't know it he doesn't understand this conversation at uh-huh. all right and this guy's like just this like snake who like he's saying this stuff to me and he's like trying to kick me down knowing full well that my seabach doesn't understand it and he's like right like kind of flaunting it right and then so he goes I stood in front of your school. Now, our school, at that, at that time, you know, the, with a the fourth and fifth floor, right? So you yeah. can see from the ground. You can see up. He goes, yeah, I looked up to your space. And he's like, wow, you have two floors. That's very impressive. But he said it in such a way like, like he was, like, pissed off that I had a big school, right? And then he goes, and, Dre, I shit thee not. Because, like, he said this to me, and I was just, like, blown away, all right? He goes, I saw your student leaning or, or uh, right by the window like just kind of standing there leaning by the window and he goes looks like your students are very lazy he said that to me and but it and it was so like it was so off-putting because Why? it was like our, our, I, I had to look around I'm like dude am I in a hidden camera show yeah. here like well, like <laughs> this guy this guy this guy clowning me right okay because at that time, I figured out, he had actually seen... At that time, I had an assistant. and He was Mike, a Chinese assistant. He he worked the front desk. He and, had to be
0: across the street.
1: Yeah, he had to be across the street watching. But then what Mike would do is, like, at that time, uh-huh. if he had to send something from the phone, because a, a number of years ago, there was bad cell phone reception. That he would, go he would always go window. to the edge, and then he would send the messages <laughs> by the window over there, right? Okay? Uh, and... This guy, Norm, Mm -hmm. sees my employee sending a text message by the window and then decides to say that all of my students are lazy. And the thing is, like, that really pissed me off because my students are many things, Uh as we know, Dre. (laughs) Occasionally podcast hosts, -hosts, co-hosts, right? Many things Uh, under the sun. My students are not lazy. My students work hard. Right. And, and like, it's, it's funny, you can insult me as an instructor. So you don't like my Wing Chun or you don't like what I teach or whatever. It's fine. But you can't insult my students. You know, it's like, I that, really, that really, at that time really bothered me. What? And I was like, oh, really? Oh, you say my students are lazy because you saw a student of mine by the window? Wow. He says, yeah, they weren't training. I go, do you know if there was a class going on when you watched? Yeah. Because you didn't even bother to come up and he's like, oh, 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 like that and kind of walked away, right? <laughs> so, anyway, I'm like, this freaking. It's Long Island like, like, mentality.
2: He's not actually insulting the students. He's insulting you. He is insulting you by Yeah, that's his,
1: that's his kind of yeah. Chinese way of trying yeah. to insult it's me, is. right? Like, rather than just coming down so, and calling
2: you a prick. You know? So.
1: It continues on. So a few years later, I go back to, to get a certificate of the, you know, so to get oh my man, fifth, fifth level master certificate or whatever. Right. And so uh, I do some with the like, we show up and they want to do some cheese out. Like, hey, everyone, let's cheese out with each other. So I'm like, OK, fine. So I, yeah, I'm doing cheese out with this guy or whatever. And then Norm walks up to me. And by just to give you an idea, Norm's obviously an older guy. All <laughs> right. Um, but he's very stout. And, and he's got like old man, thick hand strength, right? Yeah. So he's not a weak guy. And then he comes up to me and he, uh, and he goes, hey, let's do some cheese out, right? And I say, okay, fine. All right. Yeah, I don't no. really like this guy, but I'm like, all right, no, whatever. No. Okay. Oh, no. uh, so we start doing cheese out, right? And his arms were just, it was like doing cheese out with a wooden dummy. He just held his <laughs> arms really strong. <laughs> all right, like he didn't want to move, so I just no. stuck to him. I'm like, well, if you don't move, I'm not going to move. Yeah, all right, oh, okay. you, you know what I mean. Like, and and the problem is he's older, he's senior, right? And he starts with just super stiff arms, just like like zombie Frankenstein arms. Coming out, he you. just starts Ugh. pressing forward. Now he's not doing any kind of like technique or anything like that, right? Interesting. And so. And there's like the wall right behind me, right? And he's trying to just like, he's not using like a good wing Chun technique like first attack or Pak Da or, or shoulder str- launch or whatever, right? He's just like trying to like old man strength me, right? What? And so uh, as he pushed it, I like, he came at me like it was like a full surge. So I grabbed, <laughs> I just grabbed his head and I held my elbow right in front of his face. Yeah. All right. Oh. And then he goes, oh. And then, and, and then I'm like, are, are, are we done? I mean you you're you're just you're not doing Cesar with me. You're just trying to push through me, right? I'm just going to defend myself if you're going to do that, right? And he keeps pushing into me so I'm on the wall and I'm holding his head with uh-huh. my hands and I have my elbow in his face because oh, right. I didn't actually hit him because he's a senior and he's an old man. Yeah. And then and then I'm like, "Are we done?" And then he just keeps looking at me and smiling. And then I just put my hands in front of his face and I tap <laughs> like I'm putting my thumbs in his eyes. I'm like, "Are we done?" No. Oh no! He, I'm like not nah, actually, but oh, no. I'm like, are we done? Are we done? Are we done? And he's like, oh, very good, very good, very good, right? right. And then he walked away like really pissed off, right? And I'm like, okay. Uh, he didn't. There was no qi out to be done. He just mm. he just tried to push me on the wall. So I just defended myself, right, with using control. The next day, we show up to get my certificate or something like that, and he starts talking to all the Chinese students there, saying like, Alex used buji on a senior. <laughs> It was so disrespectful. You know why? Because he's my senior. And I use buji, which is like dangerous and deadly oh on my senior. And I should respect my senior and not use buji. Well, that senior didn't respect me at all. He didn't even respect the art of Wing Chun to, to do Soo. He just came at me trying to rush me. And Wing Chun is not just Qisao. Wing Chun is also you have to learn to react when people try to do things to you. And for me, he wasn't trying to do Qisao. He was trying to bum rush me. So I reacted by, you know, clinching him and putting my elbow in his face. Like, that's mm. my Wing Chun reaction to what you're doing. Which was not Chi All right? And then he's telling everyone, like, all this. And the funny thing is, I had told my c tell him not to come to the party where I get my certificate. Because I don't want to see him. Oh. He shows up anyway. But he shows up with this, like, grand scheme. Because he's angry with me. Uh, right. And he wants me to lose face in front of everyone. Right? So... What? We go to take a group photo and Craig is there, Christy's there, all of oh, all, all nice. of my students are there, right? And this is
0: Hong Kong. This is in
1: Hong Kong at my Sea Box gym, they're right? All there. Yeah. Oh, and they're it. all there for me to get my fifth level. So it was like two thousand fourteen or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Two thousand yeah, the two thousand fourteen. And so uh, I I get my certificate and uh, Norm is there. And then they go, hey, Norm, why don't you come in on the group photo? Because he was the only one who didn't want to stand in the group photo, right? Mind you, the only reason to be at my CBOX gym was for, for me getting my certificate. There was no other reason. There wasn't a test. There wasn't a class going on. So people showed up so they could be in this group photo where I got my certificate or whatever, right? And so he's just standing there and, and he says it's Chinese. I don't want to be in that group photo with him. <laughs> So he, he did the whole thing just to show up so that I could lose face in front of everyone, right? And so I just, I just said, I just said it's okay. I didn't want him here anyway. <laughs> so it ended up kind of backfiring because, you know, I said, Seabag, I asked you to, to I, I told him not to come, right? And he's here yeah. and I don't want him in my photo anyway. So I don't know what his problem is. And then he just, it just is kind of, back, photo? no, no, he just Ugh. kind of backfired. He just stood there all grumpy and pissed off. And then I haven't seen Norm since. Ugh. So, um, which is fine. Ugh. But, uh, you know, I, I look back on it. And so, where that is, you know, this is 10 years ago, nine years ago, something like that, right? Yeah. Eight years ago. And I was a, a little more hot headed at that time. And I had a lot less patience for kind of bullshit. Um, but now I've, I've been a father for so many years, so okay. your, your bullshit, yeah. your tolerance for bullshit goes up a little bit uh, when you when you have two kids. Uh, and, and so I probably, if I was in the same situation now, mm-hmm. would probably be a little bit more diplomatic and a little more chill about it. But um, for me, it's like I f- I fly all the way to Hong Kong to take lessons. I don't need this kind of DVD mm. commentary you know throwing shade at me while I'm having my lesson or telling me that my students are lazy or touching hands with me under the pretense of cheese out only to try to bum rush me in front of a other bunch of other people only to get upset when I actually defend myself right it's like I don't need that guy here you know what i mean uh. and and so that was kind of like a weird experience because at city wing chun like when our students train here It's a good atmosphere. Everyone knows each other. They can train really hard. Occasionally, you know, you you, you bump an elbow in someone's head or something, and people don't take it personally because everyone's cool with each other, right? But, like, because I don't have an atmosphere that breathes people like that, that are going to come back to my school in 40 years and walk around like they're the king of this place because they started a really long time ago, even though they haven't done it, right? So that is one of my... Less stellar Hong Kong stories. <laughs> um, but no, going to Hong Kong yeah. is really great. Don't get me wrong. All right. <laughs> uh, after I spent all this time hyping up my right. Hong Kong trip only to shit on, you know, uh, well, uh, how annoying it can sometimes be to train over there. Okay. Right? Yeah.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. N- n- that was the
1: first question, yeah, by that was the, the way. the first question. That's yeah. fine. All right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, when we have more information for the Hong Kong trip, uh, I will definitely definitely put it. it, It's so much fun because, uh, you know, we take the students everywhere, all the Bruce Lee stuff, all the Wing Chun stuff. But I also do, uh, you know, we also do touristy stuff, but the good touristy stuff, you know what I mean? Take students like places that are really cool, go to the beach and, you know, go to the new territories and get some really good food. I know lots of really good spots. and. Okay. uh, and, you know, as you know, having come to Hong Kong with me, like I'm the guy like we'll be in the middle of somewhere and I'll be like, look, there's a shortcut right here. We're going to go through there. Like, you know, I really know it like the back of my hand. All right. Question. Yeah.
0: So you say you haven't seen Norm since. So mm-hmm. when we went to Hong Kong with you, he wasn't there. No.
1: OK, no. All right. When we All went right. to that CBOX school. Yeah. He All wasn't right. there. Okay. I think he knows now after that incident not oh, to show up man yeah oh, just like man. like you know what uh, um i was most salty with him for sh- talking shit about my students how eh? yeah. do you look at some i one person by the window four floors did, up did he climb to that you, roof or no something? he was just down there on the street four floors down he sees wow. someone by the roof, and his assessment is that my students are lazy have you seen have you seen how most students walk around during a Wing Chun class in Hong Kong, like they hit the wall bag, train with this, seeing a little bit, sit down, they look at their phone, walk around a little bit. I mean, like, come <laughs> on, dude, take it easy, oh. take it easy. All mm. right. All right, what else we got? Hey, Kung Fu Genius listeners. Are you a fan of Wing Chun Kung Fu? Well, if you listen to me, I assume you are. I got great news for KFG fans. Right now, you can get an all-access, one-month free trial subscription to Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Yes, I said free. Go to wcinewsstand.com and register in the upper right-hand corner. Fill out your email and password and use the code KFGtrial to get your free trial to all the issues from 2011 to the current issue. That's right, all the issues. Even the one with this cool guy on the cover. That's me for those of you listening to us on audio. My Kung Fu Genius column is also in all the new issues as if you needed another reason to get this awesome magazine. Go get your free trial subscription today. For all that information, check out the description below. And now back to me. All right. All right, next up we
0: got J.J.
1: Ma. J.J. Ma. J.J.
0: Ma. All right. All right. Great insight into Yip Man's mindset toward teaching foreigners.
1: Oh, that's right. We had that episode about not teaching that Brit. (laughs) Which is a policy I still endorse. Okay. I have a
0: question that dips into Dreisen territory. What? What? What happened? Let's go. Let's go. Given everything you know about Bruce Lee's life from Hong Kong, China to America given what you know about hong kong culture and american culture
1: which is not much
0: hypothetically god here we go speaking do you think bruce lee gets to be bruce lee if he stayed in hong kong no oh, oh there's more
1: okay but that that answer is very clear
0: <laughs> my my hypothesis is that bruce lee would never have gotten a chance to be Bruce Lee as we knew him without his exposure to American culture. You see, I think what Bruce Lee did is what all American-born Chinese ABCs do. Because our acculturation was incomplete, we had to take from surrounding cultures in the area. Also, Bruce Lee uses the melting pot to his philosophy in JKD, strip away the non-essentials until the truth is revealed. Right. Although I don't know if that's a
1: direct Bruce Lee quote. Um, yeah. So there's a there's a bunch of different things in that question unpacked. So first of all, no, I don't think. I mean, I love thought experiments, right? <laughs> um, you know, what would happen if Bruce Lee had you know not passed away? What happened if Bruce Lee you know did a movie with this guy instead of that guy? What if Bruce Lee was able to finish Game of Death? There's lots of great. Thought experiments regarding Bruce Lee that you could really spend a lot of time and a lot of mental resources kind of cultivating. This one, I think, is pretty straightforward. If Bruce Lee did not come to the U.S., no, he would not be the Bruce Lee that we know. I think it's pretty pretty obvious, right? Because hmm. Bruce had to hit certain roadblocks in the States in order to kind of push through and develop himself in different ways, right? Would he have been like
0: a Jackie Chan, but the Bruce Lee type of Jackie Chan, like... I don't know. No,
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. Interesting. Um, Would he have
0: done maybe a good no. 40 movies like a Jackie Chan?
1: No, I I, I don't necessarily think so. No. Wow. Uh, I, uh, I, I think that Bruce's path, especially going into films, uh, even though he had done all those films when he was younger, um, I don't know how much his heart was in it at the time, <laughs> you know, 1959 when he left to the States. Uh, and... I don't know how that would have changed had he continued just learning Wing Chun and, and got more into the martial arts stuff and not into the movie stuff. Um, but he definitely would not be the Bruce Lee, you know. He we we would not have this photo all okay. over the walls if it were that He would have
0: still been a great
1: martial artist. I have no idea. No, I mean, how... No, how, 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 how do you know? How do you know?
0: So the American culture thing
1: uh, it motivated him to be like... The shit. Well, I mean, you know, we, we usually make our best, our the most amount of progress when we hit a little bit of adversity and yeah. have to push through, you know, the yeah. obstacle is the way, right? And so in the States, he had that kind of in the martial arts a little bit. Um, also, the fact that he had not completed learning Wing Chun, so he had to then innovate, right? Because without the entire Wing Chun system, he couldn't claim to be teaching pure Wing Chun. Uh, so he had to then teach something under his own name done fun right mm-hmm. and develop that into his own thing with you know various influences that he had either he had seen them stateside or other influences from hong kong so uh he needed that in order to become kind of for the jeet kendo philosophy to to breed the, the incident with wong jack man um all of those kind of things i think were kind of part and parcel to him doing it you know uh doing Green Hornet for a season and then getting rejected after the show was canceled and then mm-hmm. him constantly trying to push into Hollywood and get rejected and then he started to do gigs and he started to be a trainer to the stars which he didn't really want to do and forcing him to go to Hong Kong to get into Hollywood around the back door. No, all of that was necessary, I think, for the Bruce Lee that we know to exist. I don't, I don't think it's there's much of a thought experiment there. If, if Bruce Lee had not gone to the States no i mean we would we would not be t- we, this podcast wouldn't exist i'm pretty sure of that um so yeah uh what was the other part of the question Beca- okay uh
0: surrounding cultures also bruce lee uses a melting pot strip away Oh, okay. uh,
1: the inessentials right yeah yeah so uh, when it comes to bruce lee quotes so i'm i'm super brutal with this anyone who follows me on instagram knows that <laughs> Uh, When people post bullshit (laughs) Bruce Lee quotes, I will call them out on it. Um, There are a couple problems uh, with Bruce Lee quotes. Uh, First of all, Bruce Lee was a copious note taker, right? Mm -hmm. So he took a lot of notes. Obviously, he has a lot of notes on his own style, but he has a lot of notes on things that he was reading, whether it was a book on martial arts or books on philosophy or whatever. So when they started to... uh, put a lot of his notes into books, I think what some people didn't realize is those are not original Bruce Lee quotes. Mm. Those are Bruce's notes coming from books that he had uh, read. So he liked this passage or he liked this, uh, this saying, so he wrote it in there. But that's something he read from another book. So a lot of like Napoleon Hill or Dale Carnegie quotes you know, Think and Grow Rich or How to Win yeah. Friends and Influence People; those books, which are two books that Bruce Lee um, uh, read a, a lot, I like of, Napoleon Hill. Yeah, a lot of quotes that are attributed to Bruce Lee are actually the Napoleon Hill or even, perhaps even Dale Carnegie quotes. Oh, right. Because Bruce read those books and wrote those. So the, they, Someone saw that in his notes and they're like, "Oh, Bruce Lee quote, right?" And when in another, although Bruce. From what I heard, was a a huge follower of Alan Watts, and if you listen to Alan Watts, um, Alan Watts can get really deep into stuff where, like, he'll say things, and you'll go, "Holy cow!" Mm. Like, he'll he'll Alan Watts will say stuff, and you'll be like, "I need to stop the recording right now and just think about what he literally just said because it's like it breaks your brain, right? Okay. And um, and supposedly Bruce was a huge Alan Watts fan, and I have no reason to doubt that. But I don't think that he quoted Alan Watts that much or that Alan Watts really was as much of an influence as, say, Krishnamurti was. Um, wow. Because when I look at a lot of Jeet Kune Do stuff and Jeet Kune Do quotes or quotes on Jeet Kune Do, that stuff seems like, because I have read a lot of Krishnamurti, that stuff seems like Bruce took some Krishnamurti ideas and then spun it for JKD and martial arts. And so I hear a lot of Krishnamurti isms mm. in Bruce's quotes. So, um, and those are not quotes. Like, again, you know, people say, like, oh, well, those weren't original quotes. He was just copying someone else or plagiarizing someone else. No, these are his personal notes, never meant to be shown publicly. So Bruce would see something in a Krishnamurti line. And, and if you ever read Krishnamurti, the whole idea of kind of, um, you know, breaking away at any kind of illusions and the formality of martial arts and systems and things like that, that was like Krishnamurti's whole thing of like chopping all of that stuff down, the systemization and, and cults and all. He was very anti mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And you see that a lot in Bruce Lee's writings. And it's very clear that Bruce saw something that Krishnamurti wrote that he liked. And then he would change it to JKD. Or he would change it to martial arts or traditional martial arts for his own personal notes. Bruce never had any intention of that stuff being public. That was Bruce kind of creating his own philosophy while applying the philosophies of Krishnamurti to his, his own personal martial art, right? But that wasn't like, oh, Bruce is like plagiarizing this guy's quote and now Bruce is getting the credit. No, these are things either taken from Bruce Lee's notes and Man. credited to bruce lee is if it was an original quote which it wasn't necessarily or on the other hand people just take other quotes that they like and they just slap bruce lee's name on there right like the <laughs> "Oh, do you could teach oh. your son to fish kind of thing is now a bruce lee quote right oh, no. you know don't 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 buy him a fish teach him how to fish now, now that's a bruce lee quote somehow right um and and for so real? yeah like like it's just ridiculous right and i always go, where's your source for this quote given the few interviews you can lead that a horse to water Right, that's yeah. also Bruce Lee, that's right? That's Bruce Lee. Given the finite number of interviews that Bruce Lee gave, all right, it's actually not that difficult to, when people put a Bruce Lee quote on there that you think is suspect, just ask them, where's your source for this quote? What interview or what book did this come out of? Because Bruce Lee didn't, you know, besides the Green Wing Chun book and the, um, uh, Chinese Kung Fu, The Philosophical Art of Self-Defense. He didn't yeah. write any other books. Tao Jeet Kune Do is not a book that Bruce Lee wrote. That's a book that came out posthumously, which was just a random slapshot collection of his notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so show me, show me where your source is for this quote. Wow. Because remember, you don't have to go, oh, well, someone put it on a meme and put Bruce Lee's name on it. Therefore, they have an advantage. No, no, no. If someone makes a claim that something is a Bruce Lee quote, then the burden of proof is on the person making the claim. The burden of proof is not on you to disprove it. So when you see a bullshit Bruce Lee quote, also like a bullshit Yip Man quote, all right, of which there are... Bru- Yip Man only gave two interviews with New Martial Hero magazine. And there are a few articles about him in uh, Hong Kong newspapers during Yip Man's lifetime. But those mm-hmm. were not really interviews. Those were articles about Yip Man. So really, if you want to get a sourced quote of Yipman, Man, yeah. then it's either New Martial Hero first interview or New Martial Hero second interview. Otherwise, you need to shut the hell up with your Yipman Man quotes. All right? <laughs> and uh, so you Woo. always, so whenever you see a suspicious Yipman Man quote, something that sounds like Western gobbledygook yeah. uh, attributed to Yip Man, and, uh, or a suspicious Bruce Lee quote, Which sounds like something, you know, from the Farmer's Almanac. Uh, Just go... Farmer's Almanac. Where's the source of this quote? All right. Wow. Is is it the Ted Thomas interview? Is it, you know, uh, the Alex Ben Block interview? Is it the Pierre Burton interview? Uh, Is it from Black Belt Magazine? Uh, Where did you get this quote? Or is it from that
0: secret phone call he
1: had? The secret phone call. Yeah. All right. You could get cool cool Bruce Lee quotes out of that Dan Lee phone conversation, right? um and some of those other interviews right but where's your source mm. all right mm. so um that's kind of my issue with you know which bruce lee quote which
0: quote that i thought was a bruce lee quote uh, being dope is a skill being dope is a skill yeah no actually my
2: favorite bruce lee quote is i like big butts and i cannot lie <laughs> oh <laughs> i liked uh <laughs> i don't care
1: if it rains or freezes as long as i got my plastic jesus bruce lee all right. A yeah. Great he said Bruce that. Lee quote. He did say that. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Being yeah, dope yeah. is a skill. No, we all know the quote, being dope is a skill, is Dre. <laughs> we all right. You know that, yeah. That is literally your I bio on got IG. got that from Bruce Lee, though. You got that from Bruce Lee. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought but that I tell was you what, I we talked about this before we recorded today. Uh, every once in a while I look at your IG bio because yeah. normally you just you know, you know when you interact with people on IG you don't necessarily look at their page you uh-huh. just see what they posted yeah right? that's right but right. I'll, I'll go back there and I'll look at your page and, I'll, and you have that bio which is being dope is a skill and that is awesome I don't know where I, I came up I with I love that. that I love I that you gotta put that on hey, a shirt alright being dope is a skill Being alright what a else skill. you got
0: for me wow we got time for, time time for one, one more
2: time for one more
0: Not what alright I got a good one well from a good, good questioner.
1: He's not even looking. <laughs> what do you mean? He's good. It's
0: right here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. I can see it. I see it. blank screen.
0: Fool for thought. Oh, fool oh, for thought. Alright, oh, here we go. Okay. okay, so it
1: is a legit good one.
0: Hey, Sifu Alex. What's up? A quick question. Do you have a favorite <clears throat> weapon you like to see in kung fu movies? Do you have a favorite? Oh, do you have favorite weapons only fight scene? Oh, okay. Do you have a
1: favorite weapons only fight scene? Uh, that's a great question. Oh. Uh, and shout out to Foo for Thought. You guys yeah, should follow Foo out. for Thought on Instagram. He's also yeah. on Twitter, uh, and he's got a podcast called Foo for Thought. Foo for uh, talks about kung fu films, and we even did. Uh, I did one episode. He interviewed me on there as well. So Slick. there's some KFG stuff on there. too. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, Really great. It's it's fun because like on the Kung Fu Genius podcast, we, we talk about Wing Chun, Bruce Lee, Yip Man, Hong Kong stuff, old stories, but also Kung Fu films. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to kind of go into these different compartments mm. a little more thoroughly than we normally do in, in one episode here. So I have something. Yeah. But yeah, you, you go on yours. His uh, his, the thing about weapons. So obviously, I think flashy weapons tend to attract a lot of viewers like people like let's just look at chinese kung fu weapons people mm-hmm. like like the spinny crazy stuff like chain whips and things like that yeah. but i've always been a fan of like chinese sword stuff yeah. i think like broadsword, okay. yeah or straight sword i think they look really really cool on film like mm. uh even if you look at films like uh um, uh, the Duel, or even Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. Like, just straight sword. Like, that, like those kind of mohap or wuxia movies, I think, are really interesting uh, to watch. Um, also, broadsword, I think, is really a badass weapon when you have someone who's really you good with single broadsword or double broadsword. So, I've talked about it before. Some of my favorite weapons film. Uh, well, it's got to be a toss-up between uh, Legendary Weapons of China... Uh, which is a Lao Ka Leung film, uh, where they have the final fight scene. They fight with all 18 legendary weapons. Mm. Uh, It's uh, uh, Lao Ka Leung versus his brother, Lao Ka Wing, and it's incredible. It's just a... Kung Fu porn, <laughs> with, with culminating to this end scene Sick. where they can just go through all the weapons. Right? Okay. Uh, it's really great, and it has my friend Siu Hao in it. Siu Hao, Shout and, out to Siu Hao. And, uh, Gordon Gordon Liu makes a cameo yeah. in it. He's not like a he's not like a main guy in it, but it's also considered by many to be one of the best, Lao Kar Leung's best. And and back in the day, Rick Myers even considered it actually one of the best Kung Fu films ever because of the story and the topic is very specific to the um, the themes within Kung Fu, right? Mm-hmm. Rick Myers in his uh, in his old book, um, From Bruce Lee to the Ninjas Martial Art Movies, uh, which is a book that I read when I was a kid. It's part of the reason why I really got into this stuff. So it's, it's also funny that I... Rick Myers is a friend of mine now, and I get yeah. to see the guy who wrote the book that kind of is part of the reason why I do what I do, especially on the Kung Fu movie stuff. And, um, I remember as a yeah. kid, the book was... A very thick book. That was the first, like, big book I read as a child. Wow. Uh, because I, was just, I must have been eight to nine years old, <laughs> right? Um, you 88 88-year-old no, brain. Just, just, re- just... Re- reading about samurai movies and yeah. stuff because I couldn't see them because it's in the 80s. It's before you have DVD and the internet. And you, you, I've lived in Central Jersey, so I couldn't just – there was no Chinatown I could go to. Damn. I had to wait until Saturday to watch those kung fu movies, right? So I could see some of them, but there were many movies in there that um, – I didn't have access to. So the only re- the only way I knew about movies like Legendary Weapons of China or 36 Chambers, AK Master Killer, mm-hmm. um, was from Rick Myers' book. Man. And I remember as a kid reading that book and Rick Myers listed it as like the greatest kung fu movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons he said that, and I remember reading this as a kid and it always stuck with me, is that he said it was one of the few or maybe he said the only kung fu movie where you couldn't change the theme of kung fu for another genre and it would still work Um, like for example you could take other kung fu films and take the story and plop it into a western and it would work just the same or you could take another kung fu movie and plop it into a modern day act like take the story and just put it into a modern day action movie and the story would still work right um, because Legendary Weapons of China is about kung fu itself. And it's about this um, butting heads with modernity when you have weapons. Mm. You know, mm. when you have now have guns, what is the value of fist fight? All right? And that is a uniquely... Chinese Kung Fu topic because of the Boxer Rebellion and right and actually talks about the Yi wu Tune which is the group that went into the Boxer Rebellion they were these cultists who thought that they were impervious to bullets so they would train this <laughs> oh, yeah. type of Qigong and they, they thought that they could actually stop Western bullets and spoiler alert like a they could monk. not Yeah. Um, so Shit. it actually talks about that and it talks about fraudsters in Chinese martial arts who claim to have supernatural abilities that don't and so that was a that's like a huge theme in, in the movie. So um, Legendary Weapons of China is good for that reason, but it also has some of the best weapons fighting in there. And you can see all the weapons. It's a pure weapons porn. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other film, which oddly enough also stars one of the guys from 18 Weapons of China, uh, Lao Kao Wing, uh, the brother of Lao Ka Leung, and Sam Mo Hung is a film called The Odd Couple. Okay. And The Odd Couple, which I've talked about before, the entire film is a broadsword versus spear, and uh, it's incredible. Um, it's a very underrated film because I think it was it wasn't even done with Golden Har- by Golden Harvest. It was done by Samo's young, I think his Gabo uh, film production company okay. when he started to produce his own films. So I don't think it had the distribution of like some of his other uh, Golden Harvest stuff, but it's. It's so great, and you know, spoiler alert: so basically uh, a, a a spear master and a, uh, a broadsword master. Every few years, wow. they go to a mountaintop and they have a fight to see which one is better. So, considering that the spear and the broadsword are the kings of Chinese kung fu weapons, oh, right? Man. Hmm. And every, I think it's, like, every two years or three years or four years. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. They basically meet at this, like, hilltop, and they have a challenge fight, which goes for a certain amount of time. Okay. Uh, you know, and then once the gong has is, 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 is been hit, then the match is over, right? And every time they meet, they always match to a draw. Hmm. So they can never—so they're kind of, like, friends with kind of frenemies, like they, they, you know, they want to show who's better, but they always kind of draw each other, right? Okay, and you know, spoilers, uh, they're getting older. All right. So it's basically an aged up Samo Hung and an aged up Lao Kar Leung, you know, with the white hair and the white eyebrows and everything. And they're getting older and they're like, we can't keep doing this. So then they get this idea that they're going to train students and the students are then going to fight each other and then they can settle the beef between, you know, the historical beef between broadsword and spear, right? <laughs> uh, so to see which one Best is weapon. the king of Chinese weapons, right? Wow. So, and the interesting thing is, uh, you, so like I said you have an aged up Sammo Hung and an aged up Lau Ka Wing and then they play younger versions of themselves and so Sammo the aged up Sammo Hung teaches a character played by Lau Ka Wing who's not aged up and then Lau Ka Wing the aged up Lau Ka Wing trains a, a character played by Sammo Hung who's not aged up and then they fight each other which means that both actors had to be able to fight with both weapons wow Right, so it's dope. incredible. Now there's a little. I've never seen this movie. I guess it's see it. it's an like when you look at the choreography and you. This is like peak Samuel and couple. peak the Odd Couple. Yes, they don't get the one with Tony Randall. No, no, right? no, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the wrong. Not that Odd Couple. Mom. Okay. Uh, it's funny. amazing because that they both to have you. to use both of those weapons to that high level of competency, and you're looking at, in my opinion, in terms of like classical kung fu, because in the '80s. They would stop making those classic kung fu movies, and they would start making modern action movies. So, when you look at Sammo Hung in the '80s, you have films like *Eastern Condors* and *Millionaire's Express*. These are like modern, more modern set piece action movies. So, when you look at films like *The Odd Couple*, that's, in my opinion, Sammo Hung in his peak form during that classic kung fu phase. Before mm-hmm. they would go into modern action movies. So, you, you're really looking, in my opinion, like the best form of him doing traditional Chinese Kung Fu. And it's incredible. Now, mm. um, it's also a Chinese film from the 70s. So, there's some Chinese humor in it, which, if you are not familiar with it, sometimes Chinese humor can come off a little goofy or a little kind of simple to Westerners when you look at it. And, like, so there's some spots there, especially with with Dean Sek's character, where he's like mm-hmm. a little. He's being a little stupid, and you just yeah. kind of have to suffer through some kind of silly uh, scenes. But uh other than that, it is um it's pretty awesome. You so know, The Odd Couple and 18 Legendary Weapons of China my two favorite yeah. weapon films.
0: Well, you you mentioned uh Master Killer, 36 Chambers. Mm-hmm. That movie where he stumbles upon like he's in the bamboo woods or whatever, and he stumbles upon like breaking some bamboo. And then he comes with that weapon. What is that weapon called? The three-sectional staff. Three-sectional
1: staff. Yes, yes. Yes. Sick. That's a a great... That is an awesome movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love 36 Chambers? It's like most of Wu-Tang's quotes right there. Yeah. 36 Chambers is such a great film for the story, for Mm -hmm. the action, and, you know, obviously the team of Lao Ka Leung and Lao Ka Fai, Gordon Liu, Um, really, really incredible. And, like, the innovation in it. Of course... In America, when they released those films, especially when World Northall, here in New York, here mm-hmm. on Broadway, just a few blocks away, released those films for, for showing them on Saturdays, right? for Black Belt Theater or whatever, they, to kind of satisfy the kind of grindhouse era yeah. of people. They always had to change the titles to like killer or death. <laughs> so because okay. the, the, the Chinese title is literally, which is like Shaolin 36 Rooms. All right. Mm. Um, So we're 36 Chambers of Shaolin Mm is kind of much more accurate title. And it's the original English title of that film. But in the 80s, they're not going to release a movie called the Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin. They called it Master Killer. Right. Because they always like to put death. Yeah. Uh Death or master or killer or whatever in the title. So a lot of those Shaw titles had like very aggressive English titles here. In the 80s releases of those films, which were actually different from the original English titles that Shaw gave them when they came out. Nowadays, because of DVDs and collectors and all sorts of stuff, we actually refer to films by their correct names now. But in the 80s, they they had these kind of like, Master Killer, Killer, right?
0: Get that movie, yo. What was
1: the rooms about? that's right and and, yeah Gordon loses. he he
0: barely killed anyone I don't get it yeah but he 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 beat Uh, some ass
1: he killed some ass at the end there right yeah yeah Uh, Yeah. but yeah the thing is that he you know he wanted to create his own chamber and then there was that one monk played by Wing Chun practitioner in real life Lei Hoi Sang okay Lei Hoi Sang was a student of Ti Huan um, so in real life, he was a, a, a wing Chun, is a wing Chun Sifu, right? Mm. And he fights him with the, the butterfly swords. Yes. And he's always matching him. Doesn't matter what weapon Gordon Liu comes right. back with, he's getting beaten. Yeah. And then he's out in the forest, and then he creates the idea for the you know the San Quan, the the, the three sectional staff, uh-huh. right? Uh, and then uses it. And then I also think that that was kind of Gordon Lau um, Lau way of doing something a little bit different from the nunchucks that Bruce Lee did, like doing, we'll put yeah. one more section on it, yeah. right? Now, of course, that weapon existed in Chinese Kung Fu, but I think the gimmick of it mm. was also to do something a little bit different than, you know, what Bruce Lee That's had done. It's funny you
0: bring it up because last night, Ong Bak-2, mm-hmm. he had a similar weapon, but more like nunchucky, the longer chain. Nunchucky. Nunchucky, <laughs> with the three-sectional staff with, with two chains in the
1: middle, uh-huh. and he was... Right, 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 right. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah whipping so ninja's ass. That, that's the only thing Ninja you do ass. with ninjas. Yeah, yeah. You whip oh, that I'm ass. You're to
0: handle that three, three chain sectional old bastards.
1: That's what's up. That's what's up. So, we talked about weapons. We ah. talked about kung fu. We had a really good episode today. And that's all I got to say about that okay everyone well i hope you enjoyed that episode of the kung fu genius as always don't forget to like this video subscribe to the kung fu genius and write in the comments below any questions you have that you want me to answer on a future episode and as always i'll see you guys next time
0: Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me seafood. but to you I'm Sikung, and I produce masters. You surpassed us, your kung fu stiffer than corpse and casket. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt.
1: Alex, Richter, always the victor. F-ing pigeons in the background. Yo, I heard
0: I'm like, what the f*** is Mikey yeah. Dean doing? Yeah. What is he lo- watching, porno? He's like, well, that,
1: that was your takeaway. I thought it was wow. pretty. It, you know, it's weird. It was pretty obviously pigeons. I don't know why his I, I, brain went, went there. Yeah, he's, he's he's still trying to get his head around. Right. <laughs> you don't have to get your head around. You just have to sit there. Jesus, oh, Dre wow. learned a new word today. Lots of gems. Lots, lots of <laughs> Andrew, you might. Maybe don't put this in there. We might no. get demonetized. No. The word is in this you episode. Could, you could just, you know. Oh, you know what? Sleep you know every. Yeah. And then <laughs> even put something over my mouth so people can't lip read. Oh. And then we just won't let the audience know oh. that Dre just learned what <laughs> means. All right.
0: Uh, all right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot. What? You know, like that? You don't like that
2: one? No, nah, we were just taking bets with our eyes. Yeah, like we're eat. taking bets with our eyes. Can he, second time round,
1: It's gonna take him at least Still three like, tries. Absolutely. All right, let's go. Come
0: on, let's go. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. About the fight. You guys making bets up there in the stands. No, no, you're more like you're Williams about to fight foot. Han. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. Your yeah, ass gonna be dead.
1: Yeah. In a few no.
0: minutes. Lots of gems, lots of using Buji... On your seniors, lots of... Almost had it, man!
2: You know what's worse is that that's your quote. I know. That's the part he messed up. His part.
0: <laughs> His part. You had one job. All right, peeps. <laughs> right. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius... All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the gen- <laughs> Well
2: played, sir. Well played.
0: Hercules, Hercules.
2: Hercules. Hercules. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>